Ephesians, and we are going to get through that first chapter tonight. There's just so much. No, I, yeah, I hold to my word. <laughs> That's why I saved the last verses. So Ephesians chapter 1. And this is a pretty exciting few verses here. As I was just going through and meditating on I was reading it uh, last night and just going through with my wife. And, and there's some stuff here that I really haven't even thought about. I knew, you know, you, you know a lot of stuff that God tells us and, and things that even you're brought up with if you're in the church. And then you start reading stuff and you really start comprehending how deep it is. And, and there's some scripture in here that is so powerful. And I mean, if we actually lived it out, it'd be unbelievable what he'd do with us. And so it's an exciting Exciting scriptures, and it's, uh, it's terrifying at the same time, because when you understand how much, I mean, what he's doing for us, and, the, and, and that wealth that he's given us, it is, it's a, I don't even understand it completely. And so, we'll go through it tonight, and I really hope that, you know, the Spirit just tells you guys, and, and talks to you personally about it, and, and really, I don't give you more insight, because <laughs> me, it's so deep, I'm like, okay, I'm trying to understand what you're saying here, Lord. Um, so we'll go through it, and yeah, just rip it apart, and uh, then we'll go have some ice cream afterwards. But I'll go ahead and start praying first. Lord, we love you, and we just want to thank you for another night. You're so good to us, Lord, and the things that you bring us through, um, you know, that can be really hard things. We can lose the people that are dear to us, Lord. We can watch them have to go through hard times. Um, but always at the end, Lord, we get to see how awesome you are and just the blessings you give in our lives, the way that you teach us and the, the ways that you draw us closer to you, Lord, and we just want to thank you for that. Lord, just as we go through your word tonight, I pray that you definitely speak because this is, this is such awesome stuff, and uh, it's so revealing to you who you are and uh, who you want to be with us, Lord, and, and even the place that we have with you and, and where we stand with you. I, I don't even understand it. Uh, just how the God of the universe would consider us an inheritance is just mind-blowing, Lord. And so we praise you, and we thank you so much for redeeming us. And uh, Lord, if there isn't anybody here that does not know you or fully understand you know, what you've done, Lord, I ask that you just open up their ears, that they would hear you, and just that conviction that you bring, and, and just that where we fall on our face, and we just need you, and we know we have to have you, Lord. And I, I ask that you would just speak to people tonight, Lord, uh, through your spirit, and just speak through your word and touch our lives, Lord, like you always do with us. You're so good to us and faithful, Lord. We love you. Amen. All right, so... Starting in verse 15 of Ephesians. And I'll go ahead and I'll read through the, to the end of the chapter. So it says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And this is what is, he prays. He says, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding may be are being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us uh, who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, 
which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. In those verses right there, what we've been going through is understanding the, this wealth that he's given us, how rich we are in Jesus Christ. And last week what we talked about is we went through how the uh, Trinity had a part in the redemption, right? And we saw each part of it as we went through verses 4 through 14. And we got to see how you know God the Father and what he had involved with us, and that looked more of like what was done in the past. And we got to see what Jesus Christ and what he's doing in the work of redemption, and that's the present, and then with the Holy Spirit, he being our seal, that guarantee that we talked about uh, for that future and that inheritance. And it was just a neat way to see this is how it's placed, and that you get to see that what's going on with the Trinity there and uh, how everything's been falling in place and just his love for us. And then you get on to this next part where Paul is telling these guys, he says, okay, therefore, going back and mentioning all that other before, because of that, it says, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And there's only a couple different scriptures that actually show Paul's prayers for the people. He says, I pray for you a lot. But this is one of those times we actually get to see what is he praying for the church about. And I find it interesting that in the very first verse, in that verse 15, he says, you know, you got to remember that this is after 10 years, right? Remember, he met with the elders like we read in Acts. This is 10 years later that he's writing this letter to them. And so he's kind of a checkup, and he says, I heard of what you guys are doing. It's awesome. I mean, you guys are keeping the faith, and you're loving the brethren, which are awesome things to hear about a church, right? And it's an exciting thing when you get to hear about a church doing that. But then Paul wants to further it, because we know that faith when we step into faith, it is, it, it is something that we learn. We get to see, and, and the Lord tests us, and Hebrews says that he gives us our faith in the sense of, you know, he makes us go a little bit further, so we trust in him a little bit further, and, and the next thing might be a bigger deal because he wants us to trust him. If it was the same thing all the time, it's kind of like, well, we've already been through that. <laughs> My faith, I don't want it to rest there. And so he grows our faith, and that's something we get to see as we come to Christ in the very first of our relationship with him. And the next thing do, he does for us is he helps us understand what it is to love the brethren, right? To start loving other people. Because when you're out in the world, you're for yourself. That's, that's what it is. If somebody offends you, well, you've got to stand your ground. Because you can't lose that. Because it's about you. And so anything that happens, anything that comes across your trail, you have to defend and you have to make sure. Because if you're living for self, well, then self has to conquer all. Because that is, that's what your life is about. That's what everything goes to, is about you. But when you come to Jesus Christ, it completely flips it all over, and it becomes about him. And it becomes about him and what he wants to do, and how he wants to work. And we get to see this awesome example of him in completely becoming a servant to all, right? And so the next thing he asks us to do is go ahead and do the same thing. You know, love your brethren. Love those people that hurt, hate you and curse you and all these crazy things that you're like, that is so foreign to what I used to live like, that why in the world would I do that? And he's like, because you said that you wanted me to take your life, and this is the example that I, I showed you, and here's the power to do it. Here's the Holy Spirit. He'll guide you, and, and just walk in it. And then we get to see as we step into that, and we see what it is like loving the brethren, it's actually it's an awesome deal. And it's not that because we receive that love back, it's that, that satisfaction that we're in his will. And if you guys look over in 1 John 3.14, over to the right a little bit. In 1 John 3.14, it says, We know that we have passed from life to death, or from death to life. And what is the reason? Because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Pretty... Uh, straight to the point verses, right? 
When you look at that person, it says, we know we've passed from death to life. That's when another exciting thing is that when we're loving the brethren, we know it because it's like, you know what? This is one of those markings. This is one of those things that I know he's in my life. And if you look at both of those things, both the faith and the love, it's kind of an elementary thing. If you're looking at this is stepping into Christ, this is the things that we've done, and this is the things he's brought us to, it's kind of those first steps that he brings us through, isn't it? That faith, we're always going back, like we kind of second guess, is this the real deal? You know, am I really saved? And we have all these different questions, and then he builds our faith, and it becomes more solid. And then the love part, it's kind of like, no, I hate him this week, and then I'll love him next week, and (laughs) it's kind of back and forth as well. And you might still feel that way, even though you've been walking with Christ for a while, but one of the things is you kind of graduate, and you start understanding, okay, I know what's going to happen if I choose to follow Christ, because I've been through it with him before. But then what Paul does with this church, because you have to understand, this is 10 years afterwards, and he already says that you guys actually have a reputation of having an awesome faith and that you love the brethren. But here's what I've been praying for you about. And this is where it's so neat because it's so eye-opening into what we need to understand, too. If we feel that we've kind of graduated from the faith and love, which I'm sure none of us would actually look at our lives and say, yep, got that done. (laughs) And we're always working towards that, but... What he goes into in his prayer, it's so awesome that he wants us to understand who God the Father is, which I found so interesting because a lot of what is pushed for is to understand who Jesus Christ is. And that's, that's a great thing, too. We want to know who our Savior is. We want to know who the one is that we call Lord, right? But a lot of times I think that what happens is we kind of ignore what is the character of the Father. Well, we just go to the Old Testament, and that's the only place that we'll talk about God the Father, because we don't really, you know, hear the son mentioned because that was the, the, the new testimony that was coming out in the new, in, with the New Testament. But right here is one of those verses where Paul goes back to God the Father, and he really wants to show the character and how important it is to know God the Father, and not just to focus on the son and, and what he's done, which that's a whole part of it, because we just went through it in that first part of that chapter. He t- this is a lot about Jesus Christ, but he stops right here and goes into God the Father. So verse 17, or verse 16, or we already read 16, because that just says, Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Here's the prayer. In verse 17, That the God of our, fo- our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And that first one right there, what he's talking about. In the beginning of this prayer is that he wants you to understand, that, okay, We have the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So you have the faith and the love down. Now I want you to understand that this is what you really need. You need the wisdom and you need the revelation of the knowledge of him. And it's one of those times that you go and you wonder, okay, here's a guy praying for wisdom for these other guys. And he's praying that they would have this revelation to know God the Father. And when you start looking at that, it's like, look in your own life. Do you guys know who God the Father is? I mean, do you know a lot of the character there? And there's awesome things that start popping in your mind. You're like, yeah. I remember when, you know, he did this awesome work. He, he did this for Israel. He's, he, he, he brought this guy out of, you know, the horrible situation. He called this other man that was a complete loser and made him into a winner. And, you know, he's got all these neat things that God has done. But you have to understand that the reason that Jesus Christ was sent is because of God the Father's love for us. And we know that there's, they're all one. But when he starts focusing on this and he wants to show and he wants to pray for them and saying, you guys, I want to pray that you guys will have wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. And to me, that verse right there, it's like, okay, you know what? 
I need to take it more serious on getting to know my God. I know so many things about Jesus Christ because that's where I usually, my study time just goes over and over of what he's done, the sacrifice in my life. And, but I want to know God the Father's love, his character. And that, a lot of times we have to go back to where, you know, we may even start at the very first, for God so loved the world. Okay, let's, let's really get into that. Let's invest our time into that. And I don't know if that's the same with you guys. That's just one of the things that came out in this verse to me is my lack of wanting to know him. My lack of wanting to know God the Father. In verse 18, it says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So that's the next thing he wants. That you may know, and this is what happens. He goes into this verse 18. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. And he goes through three, three different things. What are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints? And in verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? There's a lot of knowing there. And the thing is, is that Paul, what he's wanting people to understand is just to know God. What happens is the atheists, here's what their standpoint is. They say there is no God to even know, right? Which I, I, I think is hilarious. And I think I've mentioned it before. Really, to be an atheist, you have to be a God because you'd have to explore every corner of the universe to absolutely come to a conclusion that there is absolutely no God, which would make you God. So it kind of shoots itself in the foot, and some of the atheists have come to the senses, and now they've called themselves agnostics. And agnostic is just kind of, you have to sit there and say, okay, we can really not know if there's a God. Even if there was a God, we're not going to know him. And that's what the world, they really want to just escape that reality. Paul, what he's going through here is he says, that we can't really know much of anything without knowing God. And I know a bunch of people that are anti-God would definitely argue that and go to science. They're God. And they would say, no, 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 here's all the things that we understand without God. And it's like, you know what, really, if you understand it, let's get back to the nitty-gritty. Let's go through the history of science, and let's see if you've really understood science without God. And the thing is, they always are changing you cannot find any absolute truth in science because if you look back at what they used to say, it's completely opposite now. Go grab any old, any, uh, you can go just to an elementary school uh, uh, book and you can go and read what they used to teach the kids and it's completely different now. Uh, Ken Hoven is one that does that a lot. He goes and explores the older ones and then he, he brings light and says, look at all the changes. But it's just this foolishness that these guys have gotten themselves into and that they just don't want to acknowledge that there is any God because then... All responsibility is gone. Let's read over in Romans 1 real quick. This kind of gives us an example of these guys that have decided not to know him. In Romans 1, verse 18. Romans 1, 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. That's talking about creation. Through creation, they can see God is the real deal. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him. And a new is not like they actually know God. It's... it's one of those things that they're talking about the old where they knew him or knew he existed. And that's, that's more the older because everybody was after God back then. He says, They did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became fruitile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. 
and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible men and birds and four-footed animals and creepy things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. And you guys, we totally can see that. You see just from the 70s when they started taking everything out, and it might even go back to the 50s, I can't remember the exact time, but where they started kind of slowly taking God out of everything we was to do with the government. So anything that was out there, especially schools, and then you see what's crept in. And what's ended up happening is that they're completely worshiping, and they're giving themselves over to these, or he gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Is that a rampant thing right now in our school systems, that they're, they're dishonoring their bodies? Yeah, there's no care for it anymore, is there? I mean, you guys, I don't have to mention what happened here in Canyon City. It happens at every single school out there. And this is just the one that God decided graciously to expose so that they would see that it's wrong. And then in verse 25, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature. And you guys can look at that. They can worship the creature, guys worshiping the girls or guys worshiping guys or however it goes to where all it is is all about what they're into and what self wants. And that's what's glorified. And they completely exchange what the truth of God is for that lie. And it's a sad state that they've brought themselves into. So Paul really wants to just show them, like, you can't really know anything unless you know God. You really get to know things when you get to know God. It, it, the creator of anything, you go and talk to him about his creation, you're going to know that creation a little bit better, right? I mean, I, I have a guy that's just started working with me on carpet, didn't know much about it, knows a little bit more about it because he's been training, right? I know a little bit about carpet. Now, if I want to understand how the carpet's going to move and everything, I would go to the people that make the carpet. And I can understand how it moves a little bit more and, and which way to stretch it better and all this. And I get to understand it better because the creator of that carpet is telling me what it was designed to do. There's certain glues you have to use with different things. And so that's exactly how it goes and how we work with each other, how we work in this world, is we go to the Creator and He teaches us. And we get to understand how these things work and, and our relationship with Him, how it meshed and how He designed it to be. And it's so much easier, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, okay, why have I been fighting against that? So then He goes on in these three things that He, he prays for them. He says that they may know what is the hope of His calling, and that's God's calling. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceedingly greatness of the power toward us who believe? And the hope of his calling, this first one, it goes back over in Ephesians. The hope of his calling, that called, it carries the idea of being called out. Anytime it talks about that in the word, even church, the word church back then is called out. That's what it means. So when it says the calling, it's called out from where we are. You guys can write this down. I don't think we're going to have enough time to go through the verses. But if you guys are... Taking notes, 1 Peter 2.9 definitely backs that up, okay? And it says again that he calls us by grace, and it's not by our merit, is it? I mean, we've gone over that, and we'll go over it next week, because in chapter 2 it talks a lot about that. But it's by his grace. Another one, 1 Peter 5.10 also is another great verse to reference for that. Now, with this calling is hope. And the thing about the hope is it's such, a, it's such an important thing that has to fall or go in front of this calling because the hope, and it's not this, it's not like what a child would say, well, I hope so. Like maybe it'll fall into place, you know, all, all the things, the pieces will settle right. It's not that kind of hope. It's this guaranteed thing that we get to look to the future. It's this, this uh, 
uh, an assurance for the future, and that is in 1 John. We'll read that one, 1 John 3, 1 through 3. So 1 John 3, 1 through 3, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children, are, are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope, that's the hope, in him purifies himself just as he is pure. And so it's this, this hope that we know this is what's going to happen. This is, we're looking for Christ's return. And so that hope of the calling, when you put those two together, it's that being called out, and then the very, very first, very first, or not first, very last part of that in Peter, if you saw it, says, then purify yourself. That should be a motivation. If you know you've got this calling and this hope that's going to be in the future, why wouldn't you purify yourself? You know, you had this huge thing done for you. Why wouldn't you just submit to the will that he's given? And so that hope and that calling have to go together. Before Christ, there is absolutely no hope, is there? Look right over, if you guys go back over to Ephesians, in Ephesians 2.12, it says that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So there's no hope apart from Jesus Christ, isn't there? We won't find it. Because, I mean, what kind of hope would you have? You would have the hope so. I hope this lines up, you know, uh, the, the biggest, I think the new hope so word is karma. You know, if I do so many things right, then maybe it'll work out for me in the end. Or, you know, that person did something evil to me, well, they're going to get something bad to them. You know, there's got to be this balance or whatever. And that, that's, not real, that's not how it is. And, and if you're outside of Christ, you do have to live that way because that's the only place you're going to find hope. Otherwise, it's all pointless, right? You have to believe that there's something bigger out there that's going to make sure everything's going to be okay and there is justice. And it, is, it blows my mind that they won't just turn and see... <laughs> Here's a God that's done that for us, that he's going to assure us that is going to be done exactly that way, that there is this awesome hope that we get to look forward to and this hope that we've been called to. And the second one, sorry I'm going to have to fly through this, guys. Oh, another verse I wanted to just throw out there to you guys, First Peter 1, 3, it talks about the living hope, that it's this hope that that's kind of what helps us get through our days. And it's a living hope because it's active in our lives. So anytime we're hitting, you know, with a bad situation or whatever's going on, we turn to that hope in Jesus Christ again. And so you guys can study out that verse uh, as well. Number two, or that second one, is his inheritance in the saints. And this one's just crazy to me because here's the God of the universe calling us an inheritance. And if you read through it again, it's in verse 18, uh, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. God looks at us as a part of his great wealth. I mean, if you look at any king out there or anything, you know, as, as they gather up their wealth and everything, they're kind of noted as being that person that now has a, big, you know, a bigger uh, ego or stature in the society or however it goes. That wealth is attributed to them as, as is, is kind of like their marker, right? Well, with God is that we're a part of that. We get to be a part of this wealth that he has, which is just, I don't understand I mean, why would the God of the universe want us to be a part of that and consider us an inheritance? Because an inheritance we usually think is like this really awesome thing that you get to have that's going to better enable our lives. So, if, you know, unfortunately, if one of our parents passes away, well, usually you get an inheritance. And usually that's, 
one of those things that you get to invest into your home or do something responsible with, hopefully, so that you can make your parents proud because they worked really hard for that. But usually it's something that's going to step up your life here, right? And I just think, well, God, how in the world are we doing that for you? How in the world can I be an inheritance to you? And if you look at those scriptures right there, it's talking about that he says that you may know that what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance. And that glory, because that glory is what goes back to him. That's his inheritance, is that what he's pouring out on us and what he did with his son, that absolute love that he gave us by giving us his son so that we can be with him forever, that's a lot of glory going to him. That's just unbelievable because it's something he didn't have to do. And then not only that, that's a big one, but every day and how he pours out his mercy on us, every single day that's new, it says in the morning he gives us new mercy, right? His mercies are new. Why? <laughs> he doesn't have to do that. And it's just like, wow, God, I want to just glory you. I messed up so bad yesterday. And then I look and it's like, wow, he's got new mercy for me. What a love my God has for me. And that's an inheritance that he's getting is because he's just pouring out and he's getting to show his character with us. If we didn't exist, how would anybody know about his character? <laughs> how would it how would be glory? And that's where the inheritance comes in. And you can get really technical and get really you know, philosophical and start trying to figure everything out. Well, God purposely designed it this way or whatever. But what this scripture is talking about is us being that glory and, and being that inheritance to him. And I think it's such a neat thing. It's, it's uh, you know, we're to the praise of his glory over in verse 6. If you guys go back there, um, what we read last week, it says, to the praise and the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And it's just to go and back and praise him because we aren't deserving. We haven't done anything to get what he's given us. And that absolute grace that he gets to pour out on us, just a, it's an awesome thing. I love how God, and this is an interesting thing, because God deals with us in a future tense, doesn't he? And what I mean by that is that he looks at us through Jesus Christ. So anything that we've done in the past, it doesn't matter to him. He's looking at us through Jesus Christ. If we've accepted Jesus Christ, that's who he's looking at us through. So it's in a future tense that he looks at us, not at our past. And I love this example that I got was with Gideon. If you guys, we're not going to go over there because I have the verse written down, but in Judges 6, 12, God he talks to him with Gideon and he says, the Lord, or this is the guy that comes up and talks to Gideon, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And if you guys know Gideon, he was a coward before. It was like Gideon the chicken. But yet God is looking at what he's going to do with Gideon in the future, and he calls him that. God looks at him in the future tense. And I think it's so neat, because later on, we know Gideon was an awesome man of power. guy was nuts. He became this crazy warrior coming from a farmer to that, and you're just like, wow. You know, you get to see God and how he looks at us, and it's so exciting to see that, wow, we get to be his inheritance, and all we can do is glorify him, because we do not deserve to be any kind of inheritance. We start looking at our lives, and it's like, I wouldn't even want me as an inheritance. I mean, to be honest, <laughs> it's, it's pretty disgusting. And you're like, oh, God, you're so good. And so all we have to do is we go to him and we just praise him and thank you for considering us that, you know, and what he's done for us. And then the last one, his power towards us. And this is just, this verse is mind-blowing. I know I've been saying that, but this is where it all comes down and just blows up. Okay, verse 19, it says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? according to the working of his mighty power. Now, this is God the Father 
And we can go through, and here's the thing is that in the Old Testament, when they wanted to talk about the power of God, what did they always reference? You guys know which story did they always go back to? The Exodus, right? They either would talk about the plagues that happened, or they would talk about the parting of the Red Sea, and that's where they saw how big and powerful God was. Well, now in the New Testament, in our times, what do we reference back to? The resurrection, that's what Paul's going to go through. And I think it's so exciting if you guys start investing yourself in these scriptures and seeing what this is talking about and this power that he's talking about here. It's not just saying he's given us this power so that we can go be mighty people. That's not what it's talking about. This power that he's giving to us or going toward us, which if you just stop there and think about the God of the universe pouring out his power on us, what is that going to do? It has to bring him glory, and it's talking about... He's helping us understand how to use these spiritual gifts that he's given us. We cannot use those spiritual gifts that he's given us without his power. Is that right? Can you imagine just a regular human without the power trying to work out these things? You just can't do it because it's from God. And the other thing is that we have this power against the enemy, which at the end of Ephesians is going to talk a lot more about that, right? He gives us power against the enemy, which is just another thing. It's like, it's, it's, it's an awesome deal that he gets us into. But then what he really gets in, he pinpoints on it, is he's talking about this power, he talks about the resurrection, doesn't he? And when we reference and we go and look at the scriptures, every time he's referencing us and talking about that resurrection, it's our identity in Jesus Christ. And so God the Father is pouring out this power, the same power that he raised Jesus from the dead. Which, when we want to look at God and we say, well, is the resurrection that big of a deal? Because didn't he give us all life to begin with? Didn't he create everything around? So for God to give a, a person life again is not, not really that big of a thing for him. However, when you consider everything that was poured into Jesus and all that sin, the whole sins of the world put on him, and that perfect sacrifice, not one flaw in Jesus Christ, that perfect sacrifice was accepted, shown by the resurrection, because he raised him from the dead to show that this was accepted. Now those who believe in Jesus Christ can identify themselves with Jesus Christ, and they can identify themselves in having the resurrection with him. They can identify themselves as having the ascension with him, and we get to be glorified with him. That's power. To take something that's absolutely disgusting and fallen away and wants nothing to do with God and is living in the sinful life, and to redeem them like that, to give them part in what your son has done for them, an absolute love that was not merited, and to give him all that and say, I want you to be identified in the resurrection of my son. I want you guys to have new lives too. Believe in Jesus Christ, and you can have that new life. The ascension part of it is, guess what, guys? We get that new body. We get to go be eternally with him. You know, he gets to come back with us, and it's like I said over in First Peter, we don't know what we're going to look like, but, you know, it's going to be a new deal. It's going to be an exciting thing, that power that's handed out to us. And then that we get to be glorified with him? What? <laughs> Why do I even deserve to sit next to him? But that's what the verses say, is that we are actually going to be sitting with him. I'm trying to find the verse real quick. <laughs> I had it written down. I don't know. I didn't write it down. I thought it was right here, but... Is it verse 20? Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated, yeah, there it is, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Oh, there's another scripture that I had, though, that talks about us sitting with Christ. I'm sorry I didn't have that down. I had it on my other piece of paper and it didn't transfer. Or wait, 2.6, there it is. Chapter 2, verse 6, and it says, raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. 
Awesome, isn't it? That's that power he's talking about. So let's read through the rest of the scripture and that identification that we have in that resurrection. And in verses 22 and 23, you really note those because he brings us in as being part of that body. Him being the one that's in control and the one that's looked at because he's the head, but us being a part of that because we're the body. And so in verse 20, it says, Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Far above all principality. Here's the part over the enemy. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all, takes care of it all. And we get to be a part of that. And just as you guys go through, and I encourage you guys, please go and study that verse. So we didn't have enough time just to rip it to pieces. When you start going and cross-referencing and looking at other scriptures about the power of God and what it's talking about, this power toward us, it really gets exciting because you're like, wow, he did defeat sin in my life. He really did defeat sin in my life. And all I have to do is go before him and just take him. (laughs) Admit what I've done and say, yes, you know what? I am that sinner, Lord, exactly like you called it. I, I, I can't do this apart from you. I have to have you. And we fall before him and we grasp onto him and say, you are my savior. I completely, 100% believe everything that you've done for me, and I want to walk in you now. And when we come in that submission to Jesus Christ, the whole world changes because now you're under the creator. He's got an awesome purpose for you, this awesome will. And it's just exciting to live for him every single day. And it shouldn't get dull. And if it does get dull in your guys' lives, check out where you're with him. Go and see what has the life been like lately with him. Why is it not exciting? Because it should be, isn't it, right? So I'll read one last quote by Wearsby. It is grace that supplies the wealth, but it is faith that lays hold of the wealth. It is grace that supplies that wealth. Everything is given us, but it's faith what lays hold of the wealth. And so just as you guys go out throughout the week, just be reminded of that. The hard situations you guys come across those difficult situations, lay hold of that hope and that faith, that, just that awesome thing he's doing. And just remember that he's got the power there. That resurrection we get to identify with Jesus Christ in, that we are a new creation. And what an exciting thing that he's taking care of that sin in our lives. And we should stop taking it back off the cross and saying, I want it back <laughs> and still playing around with that sin. He's done it all for us. So it's an awesome thing. So let's pray and then we'll go have some ice cream. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for just pouring out your power. I mean, just to think about the, you being the God of the universe and, and you, given a, you know, having this power toward us. And, and just that so we get to identify with your son and that love that you pour out on us, Lord. You're an amazing God. And unfortunately, I know myself, I don't come to you enough and thank you and, and just praise you. And you know, remember how awesome you are. And um, Lord, I definitely want to do more of that. So I ask that you just keep bringing up scriptures. Just help me understand more about you, Lord. And and just so I can just fall more in love with you, Lord. And pray for these guys, too, that you just encourage them just de- get into the, the word, dive deep into it. And, Lord, that you just touch their hearts just like you do with mine. And I know you do, Lord, and just that we could talk to each other about it and be excited about you. Lord, and just leave, live these excited lives that you've given us uh, and you paid so heavily for, Lord. And anybody here that doesn't know you, Lord, I ask that you just continue just to pour out your mercy on them. Continue just to give them your scripture, Lord and that they would come to you, and that they would just fall before you and say, yes, I have to have you, Lord, and they give their lives to you, Lord. And we just thank you so much for what you've done. You're such a good God. Keep our pastor safe, and, and Scott is there out on the road, 
And in those classes down in Albuquerque, Lord, we just thank you. Amen.